2: and welcome to the tour report from Secret Golf. It's playoff time baby and round one is the Northern Trust at Liberty National Golf Club. I'm Diane Knox, I'm joined by Steve Elkington and we'll get into explaining what historically has been a little bit of a complicated playoff format. Elk, over the past couple of years the PGA tour has tried to make it simpler for everyone to understand.
1: Yes, and it's the first week. I like the way you presented that it's playoff time, and this week we have 125 that have made it to the first round. There will be a cut at Liberty National, probably to the top 65. So um, all the top players are back. And when I start to think about the tour, Diane, there's about 20 guys in my mind that are better than a lot of the other players. We know who we all know who they are. They shuffle in and out how they've been playing. There's going to be no surprises at the top of the the top 10 this week. We've got to think about who is actually going to win the FedEx Cup, but who can pierce the veil this week? Is there anyone down below this week playing at Liberty National? Some of the guys that are trying to make it into these other playoff events, can they play good enough to knock out some of these other guys that are so good up on top?
2: Well at the Wyndham Championship last week we had talked about the fact we were going to be watching the guys around the bubble So the guys that were in and out of that 125 and to me it's so exciting especially when it came down to Sunday Chesson Hadley, we have to talk about this because he had an ace on the 16th which was just amazing to see He had started out with the 125, and when he finished his round of 62, he was in the clubhouse sitting at 126. Justin Rose, three putted 18. To put uh, and Hadley in at 125 and Justin Rose fell out so I mean you have brilliant drama maybe not for Justin Rose but that's the kind of thing we're going to be watching again this week because the top 70 after the Northern Trust will advance to the BMW and a good thing to note is the points are quadrupled this time around so the guys are playing for a lot more points which means a lot more fluctuation.
1: Yeah, Chess and Hadley it probably couldn't have worked out better. Justin Rose is exempt for the next few years on tour from one of his big wins. Chess and Hadley had a pretty good season, uh, and then of course 62 with a hole in one. And it, your brother, Diane, last year was in exactly the same spot, and it was just so heartbreaking to see someone finish at 126. But he got in, and yes, we're on to we're on to we're on to the next week.
2: And Russell's in firmly. He had a really good final round and that boosted him up to, I think, 106. So we were.
1: Still- I, I, text, I, I text your brother and I told him the whole key to he won a ton of money yesterday, considering he shot a four over the first day. I, I told him, I wrote, way to hang in there on Friday because he just made a fortune, you know, not a fortune, but he made a, a great comeback of seven under on Friday to make the cut and then had a great weekend. And to me, that's how you get momentum.
2: Elk, you know this better than anyone, but the stress that we feel as family members watching, all he had to do was par 18. And we were like, par on 18, he'll make the cut. T-shot, way off to the left. (laughs) Had to lay up on the par four, stuck it to five feet. And we were like, make the putt, make the (laughs) putt. My gosh. I sometimes don't know what, if you guys know what everyone else has to go through watching when you're emotionally invested.
1: (laughs) I I do now because I'm not there. I'm not in it now. And I follow my son in college and it's just, it's, it's, nerve
2: wracking. It's harder not being there physically on the course and watching TV and following on your phone. Anyway, we digress. Because, well, we better touch on the fact we had a six-man playoff to end the Wyndham Championship. And it was Kevin Kisner that came out victorious, who was one of our picks. He was our number five pick in our top 10. So we were really happy about that one.
1: Yes. And we talked about what kind of course it was at Greensboro and who did it suit. You know, Webb Simpson, it suited. He's got a great record there. Kevin Kisner, medium length hitters of the ball. Adam Scott was really the only super long hitter and he had a chance to win it and missed a four footer. That had to be very disheartening for him. Although he moves on now, Diane, and he comes to a course where he's won before on Liberty National and finished in the top five. So there's all sorts of things for us to untangle. But, uh, yes, this is a different test this week. If you listen to anyone that's been there and you've been to this course uh, a couple of years ago, very narrow off the tee, Tom Kite designed this course, very small greens and undulating bent grass. So it's going to be no surprise what we're looking at this week, Diane. We're looking for the best strikers on the tour off the tee and the best strikers as far as hitting greens and red.
2: As a, as a recreational golfer, sometimes you visit these courses and you can see the overlay of them and you think, oh my gosh, I would love to play here. Liberty National was a course that I saw and I thought, there's no way in the world I would ever want to play this course because it looks very intimidating, very difficult, tiny, tiny greens, way below average on the PGA Tour. And actually two of the holes, the ninth and the 15th are two of the toughest holes that the guys play all year so as you said perfectly elk we have a lot to untangle this week first round of the fedex cup playoffs it's the northern trust and we will bring you all of our picks in our tour report Now, Elk, you can see behind me that I mean the course is spectacular. The Statue of Liberty is right there. You can see the whole New York skyline. You can take the little ferry back and forth. Did you always enjoy coming to this course?
1: I have never been there, Diane. That was after my time. I, uh, I watched it keenly. The President's Cup, of course, was there. And that also has a lot to play into this event. There's a... It's going to be very difficult for young guys coming to Libya International with no experience on this course. When you consider there's been three events played here, a lot of the top guys that we've talk, we're going to talk about have experience. They played a President's Cup there. Adam Scott, we, we already said, have won this tournament, finished fifth, played a President's Cup. It's going to be very difficult for young guys to push through and knock out some of these guys that have a lot of experience, particularly the ones that are so good and so in form
2: as you say last time we were here was 2019 and Patrick Reid was the champion we're going to be looking at the President's Cup when it was here in 2017 as well and also I mean I know we're in the FedEx Cup playoffs but we're also still talking Ryder Cup points and the guys have this week and next week to really make their moves that's when the points cut off will end but then also to really impress the captains to try and get a pick
1: Yes, and I don't have a dog in this fight, as you know, being Australian, but the American Ryder Cup team is looking so strong on paper currently. A lot of their top players are playing well. The Europeans have a couple of their really gun players that didn't qualify for this event, so they're going to miss out on these triple points. And Patrick Harrington is left with a sort of a a mismatch of ideas of how he's going to put together this team. I'm not saying the Europeans won't win because they always come together and it looks like Pat, uh, looks like Ian Poulter, a guy that you've been keeping you close eye on, will make the team. Uh, and he is, as I talked about, it, he is the heartbeat of the European team. Would be surprised to see him keep doing what he's been doing, Diane. But uh, yes, so there's a lot at stake. FedEx Cup, trying to get into the top seventy, Ryder Cup on both teams. We've got you know all sorts of things to unpack
2: so liberty national we've already said that it's a very visually intimidating course 98 bunkers 10 water hazards they've lengthened it by 30 yards since we last saw it in 2019 so a lot of things the guys are going to have to contend with this week as well wayward tee shots are going to be bad you know much like we saw at the windham actually missing the fairway was penalizing it's going to be even worse around liberty national so we're looking at total driving, greens and regulation, scrambling, putting average, and par four scoring average. Some very long, tough par fours around this course. Right Elk, we're gonna get right into it and we're gonna start with our re-ranked top 10. And the guy at number one is somebody who has never played this course before. So it's going against a little bit of what we said. However, when you look at form, and momentum and when you look at this guy's game there's no way you could put him anywhere else he's number one in the FedEx Cup standings and Colin Morikawa is our top pick this week
1: yes and we had some discussion on who was going to be at number one whether it was going to be Morikawa or one of the other guys that played a great summer uh, of golf Diane and when when players talk I listen and when Adam Scott says this is a narrow golf course with small greens, then all of a sudden, it changes my thinking, Diane, to who is the best at hitting it straight. We saw at the Open Championship where Morikawa won this year. We saw Corey Connors right there. We saw Jordan Spieth play a more of a fade shot off the tee, and he was able to keep the ball in play, and he was runner-up. So, Colin Colin Morikawa is the Open champion. He's the number one in the FedEx Cup. He's the best driver of the golf ball. He's the straightest iron player. And he has the most momentum of anyone. So, yes, that is why he's at the top. And by the way, a lot of these top 10 players, they're all going to be in the same boat as Morikawa. All the great strikers, Patrick Reed won here when he was hitting the ball so straight, as we've talked about Adam Scott. Uh, So no surprises what it takes to play well here
2: yeah and Colin Morikawa is 16 to 1 so again no surprise with those odds the guy that comes in at number two is another one who's I mean we've got him ranked at one in current form so that tells it all when the Northern Trust was played here in twenty nineteen, this guy finished in a tie for third. John Ram is fifth in the fedEx Cup standings. by the way, I'm seeing it right right now. he's my overall pick to go on and win the fedEx Cup in the end, but we have him at number two this week
1: yeah, and Ram's had the most unusual couple of months ever no he was leading the Memorial Tournament on a course very similar to this one. Don't forget, after the Open Championship, Diane, John Rahm had already decided he wasn't going to play the Olympics and he'd already withdrawn from Memphis. So he hasn't played since the Open Championship, so he's going to be very rested. Rahm wants to win the FedEx Cup, so (laughs) you're right about that.
2: What a year that would be for him right coming in at number three this is a a guy that I was really pushing for I think that he is a great pick this week at 28 to 1 he is just an elite ball striker especially with his irons and we've already talked about the fact that precision is going to be key this week especially that approach shot into these small greens and I just can't see past Daniel Berger so we have him at number three. He could just he could cause the big shakeup and the big steal in 2021.
1: Yeah, Berger loves this place. And the reason he loves it, he 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 came in late at Memphis. I think he shot like a 63 or four the last round and, and kind of backdoored the top ten in Memphis, a course that he's won twice before. And he's played the president's cup here. I watched it. I watched Berger play good on this course. So Again, you know, you've got to drive it good at this course and you can't be all over the place, you know, the way we've seen, for example, Bryson play, where he's in the rough a lot. You can't play this course that way. Small greens, got to get it up and down. Yes, I love this. Uh, I love over at
2: three. He's 10th in the, in the Ryder Cup standings, 20th in the FedEx Cup standings. So, um, you know, Ryder Cup, great position. The top six automatically are in, and then Steve Stricker has six captain's picks. You have to think Berger's in already, but I'm sure he would like to solidify that place.
1: Yeah, I think Berger's going to get a jersey for the Ryder Cup, Diane. He plays good. He's a good striker. Whistling straights will suit him. Um, As I said earlier in the show, Diane, the American team is in really good position Ryder Cup-wise because all of the guys that they're thinking about picking are playing well. With the exception of maybe Jason uh, Jason Kokrak, who missed the cut last week. Uh, yes, Berger plays good on this golf course.
2: Okay, then. So coming up next, uh, number four is a winner from the WGC FedEx St Jude in Memphis. It was his first PGA Tour win, which really is hard to believe, especially when you look at his numbers. His stats are always great. The stat that always sticks out for Abraham answer is the greens and regulation stat, that proximity, the approach shot. That's definitely his forte, but everything came together in Memphis, and it could be a case that the floodgates have opened up
1: I think you're absolutely right. I mean, these young players, they have to win. When they win the first time, it just, all of a sudden, everything just rolls off their back. They know they're good enough to play all these guys. This was at a this was at a world event in Memphis. Uh, so this was the biggest event you can get. One, just like this one. Of course, we did see a little bit of a collapse, Diane, by Dijambo and the other leaders, Cam Smith and Harris English. But he sees the moment, beat one in a playoff from another guy who's playing super golf, Matsuyama and Burns. But yes, Abraham Anser uh, has pretty much in everyone's mind solidified himself as one of the great strikers on, on the tour. And this is going to be another good spot for him.
2: 28 to 1 same as Daniel Berger so those odds are pretty good Um, and our guy at number five is 35 to one you just mentioned him he lost in a playoff to answer in Memphis we were big on Hideki Matsuyama for the Wyndham why wouldn't you be and he missed the cut I kept seeing all these messages coming through on Twitter like good shout guys (laughs) I'm like would you really not pick Matsuyama anyway he is our Five pick this week at 35 to one.
1: Well, he did birdie his 35th and 36th hole last week to finish two under in Greensboro and missed the cup by one. And if a guy like that, if that was me, That's all I'm thinking about. I've just buried the last two holes when I had to, so he'll just move that forward. But the reason I like Matsuyama so much, Diane, there's a lot of pressure on him after he won the Masters to do all the tasks he had to do in Japan. Then he had to sit over there and think about all the expectations of playing the Olympics at Japan. He, He finished third. What did he do? He relaxed. He came to Memphis. He got into a playoff. Okay, last week, no problem. Now Matsuyama is one of the you know four major champions that are going into the playoff with a chance to win the FedEx Cup and I just think his game is going to shine in the playoffs
2: and he knows this course in that well he played it two years ago in the Northern Trust but also when the President's Cup was here in 2017 he was the top guy for the international team with the highest points making it to the team so Matsuyama knows Liberty National and we're saying that last week missing that cup by one was just a blip
1: yeah, and, you know, we I, I talked about this at the top. There, It's truly there's about 20 guys that are better than the other 100. They stand out a lot. There'll be some super players that aren't in this top 10 that had to be left out of this top 10. Great players, players that are in the top 10 in the world, but they just sort of shuffle a little bit with form. Mm-hmm. Matsuyama is our fifth player this week, mainly because he's, knows his golf course well, major champion, has a chance at the FedEx Cup, doesn't have any pressure on him about Ryder Cup, so he's going to be the most relaxed he's been all year.
2: Elk, very quickly, I just want to talk about the money that these guys are playing for, because the guys that finished in the top 10 in the FedEx Cup standings all got a massive bonus, Colin Morikawa being at number one, a $2 million bonus. Then we know that the FedEx Cup points are quadrupled. And then at the end, I mean, the guys are playing for just a ridiculous amount of money. So we talk about the fact that, you know, we're looking at really an elite section of guys. And the guys that can get into that top 10 when the Tour Championship rolls around, they have to be seeing the dollar signs as motivation.
1: There's no doubt. I I wish it was me, Diane, although I thought I was playing for a lot of money. And to put things into perspective, when you think about Jack Nicklaus, who won 18 major championships and 78 regular tour events, only won $5 million for his total career. So, yes, they're going to win more money in the playoffs than Jack Nicklaus did for his entire career.
2: 15 million to the winner. It's like fake money. I just don't know how. I mean, I'll never even have to think about that in my lifetime.
1: I I won $15 million official money for 28 years on tour.
2: (laughs) Oh, man, that's nuts. Right, anyway, coming in at number six is the guy who's at number 10 in the FedEx Cup standings. So he got a nice little bonus. Sam Burns just lost in a playoff to Abraham Answer at the WGC. He got his debut win on tour this year at the Valspar and he's in a great position as we get into playoff time.
1: Yeah, he missed a little putt in the playoff uh, to let Abraham, Abraham Answer win that tournament, Diane. But Burns is a sort of a rookie almost and this will be the first time he's seen this course. But he's he sort of fits the mold of a true power player. You know, he's not like, Dustin Johnson power, not like Brooks Kepka. This guy, very uh, organized player for his age, uh, terrific swing. I watched him in the playoff at Memphis just take driver right across the water without any stress at all. Uh, Burns is going to be a force. He sort of reminds me in a certain sense, Diane, of a little bit like a young Greg Norman. When he gets going, he just smashes it, and he's just he just full of confidence, And and Burns is – Absolutely a player to watch.
2: okay we're looking at his stats. He's eighth in putting average, thirteenth in par four scoring average. He's you talk about him being a long hitter. The par fours are lengthy around Liberty National, so that's definitely gonna help him out this week. So we have Sam Burns at number six. At number seven, it is our Olympic gold medalist, Xander Shoffley. Um obviously coming back from Tokyo and then playing the WGC. He finished 46th. It had to be exhausting. It had to be a crazy time for him to win the gold in Japan. He got to have breakfast with his grandparents who lived there. Then he had to fly all the way back. There's all the attention. Um, so hopefully things have kind of leveled out a little bit for him now.
1: Yeah, he should be fine now. And I talked about it in the show. And that's why we, we faded Exander at Memphis, because... I know what it's like to travel. I know what it's like to get all that hype. I haven't won a gold medal, of course, but I've won enough tournaments to know that your fatigue level is so unreal when you come off that high and playing in Memphis in the heat. And honestly, I'm not surprised with 46th place in Memphis. However, he will now be rested, settled down. Now he will turn his attention to the Ryder Cup, FedEx Cup. He's got a shot at winning the FedEx Cup no doubt and he's going to be on the Ryder Cup team so now he has to start thinking about what is what does he put, has to put together now on a run through the playoffs and into the into the Ryder Cup
2: yep 13th in FedEx Cup standings right now as well so a prime position we should note as well out of the 125 the only guy that's not playing this week is Louis Eustazen who's sitting at number eight in the FedEx Cup standing he withdrew from the Wyndham after um, having problems with his neck so he's obviously taken this week hopefully things are all right and we'll see him in action for the BMW next week right so coming in at our number eight this week is brooks kepka now you always have to pay attention to this guy when it comes to an elevated event and well the playoffs are the time he's had a good bunch of top 10 finishes we we i <laughs> ranked him really high for the wgc in memphis and it was disappointing terrible final round ended up finishing 54th way down the bottom in the this limited field no-cut event but had some time at home and he's back and that fire has to be burning for Kepka, who's sitting at 15 in the standings.
1: It's all about focus for Kepka. he's been distracted all summer with this thing with Bryson back and forth and it's all been a bit of a you know hit and giggle for him and he had yes he played good at the US Open yes he almost played good at the Open but it's always about focus with him and you know drives the ball great once he gets on a roll you know he attacks the golf course a little bit like the way young Sam Burns is sort of shaping up a little bit like the way the style that Kepka plays but I got to think Diane that Kepka will be sort of focused now on this FedEx Cup I think the only thing that he wants to do is he wants to take that 15 million he's a money guy he likes money and he's not ashamed to talk about it and, of course, he's going to be tuning up for the Ryder Cup. But he knows his golf course. And, yeah, he has to be positioned uh, perfectly, you know, for this this event where he is. But, again, Diane, it's, it's attitude about Kepka.
2: We don't have Bryson in our top 10 this week. A little spoiler. <laughs> he's not coming up in a position 9 or 10. And we talked about it last week. We saw it in Memphis that – well I had said it and this is all personal opinion and I think that the noise of all of this is affecting the Bryson that we see performing on the course do you think it's the opposite for Brooks because it doesn't seem to be affecting him the way it's maybe affecting Bryson
1: well like I said I I think you know Bryson His default setting is to go more analytical and the more it seems for him to go more analytical, it seems to trip him up. I mean, he can't understand why the ball is going so far in Memphis or he can't understand it's spinning too much or all these different things. It's not really self-aware of the conditions around him. We always say, I never pick Bryson when he's been home in the garage. I think he's a little off kilter. I think the caddy thing was something. I think he's had two really back—not bad back nines. Uh, U.S. Open, he shot like a 44 and the last week in Memphis or two weeks ago in Memphis, he did the same. And his swing is not as precise as he's, as he, he's had it. And I don't know if it was the COVID or he's trying to get speed or all these things. you got so many things going on, Diane, that it's all measured and this and that. And I just... And then on top of that, he's got people yelling at him from the crowd, calling him Brooksy. And I think that is so um, disrespectful to some of the top players in the world. However, I don't know. Those guys probably need to get together and, and talk about this because... Look, it can't go on forever.
2: It's it's not nice to watch either. I'm I'm starting to find it. I did at the beginning, but even more so now. Just uncomfortable. He's behaving in a way on the course now that we never saw before, and it just seems very uncomfortable. Anyway,
1: Bryson's, you know, he's kind of a nerdy guy, and and Brooks is a very um, out, you know, outspoken or out outgoing personality and it's not a fair fight because Brooks is too swift and too you know street smart for Bryce and he has no way to bounce back against him he's just getting pummeled from the one direction and I don't know it's over in my mind
2: You need to stop with the Brooksy shouts it's just yeah it is over and it's just dragging up horrible old ground anyway there we go there's our two cents on it So Brooks is at number eight, coming in at number nine. It's kind of weird to me right now. We're not, no one's really talking about this guy all that much. However, this time last year is, uh, we really saw Dustin Johnson shine. And I think it was the start of just something incredible for him. However, well, he's, you know, he finished Top 10 at the Open Championship, then a miscut, then finished top 10 at the WGC in Memphis, of course, that he'd won on twice before. DJ coming in at number nine this week. Again, is it going to be time to shine in the playoffs?
1: Yeah, I talked about these type of players that are better than others. And, you know, to me, all summer it's been with Dustin Johnson, it's been about his putter. And it's been about he's hooked his driver a little bit. He changed drivers uh, just before the Open Championship, got a driver that faded the ball, had a good week at the Open. But it's all, always been about putting. It's always been about focus. Can he, you know, conjure up enough energy to take a run at the FedEx Cup? Of course he can. He knows this course. He knows exactly how all the feelings are going to rush back to him when he gets into the playoffs, Diane. And, you know, one good week for him, he can just propel him down the road all the way to the end.
2: We have to remember he is defending champion of the Northern Trust. It wasn't played on this course last year, but that's when he shot 30 under par. Second place was Harris English at 19 under par. So last year for the Northern Trust, I mean, it was a DJ dominance. And he's got to be aiming and putting himself in the same position as he was last year.
1: It'll be all about the t-ball. Uh, you know, Dustin Johnson, I, I heard other players talk about him. When he gets playing well, he swings faster. And when he swings faster, he hits it straighter. When he gets focused, he chips good. He putts good from inside of five feet. Those things have been a little wobbly all summer, but he knows that. He's going to be working with his coach and getting the same swing action that he had this time last year. He's going to be looking at film, finding out which position's been off. And he's going to, it's, it's going to come back. I
2: see it. Yeah. yeah. DJ is 16 to 1 this week and sitting at 17 in the FedEx Cup standings. And then our number 10 pick this week is 35 to 1. We're all big on him, and we were like, he has to be a name that's talked about in this top 10 contention. Um, he is at 16 in the FedEx Cup standings, and we're talking about the man with that golden mullet, <laughs> Cameron Smith.
1: Forget about the golden mullet. How about the golden putter? He had 18 putts in a round at Memphis, Diane, playing with Dustin Johnson. He plays well when he gets in big groups, does Cam Smith, the Aussie with the big mullet, as you say. But he has a tendency to lift himself up. And could you imagine one putting in every green in a tour event? 18 putts. He holds the record now for all the tour. Number one putter on tour. That's gonna serve him well here. Confidence has to be high. He's sitting very nicely. He doesn't have to think about the Ryder Cup. He's only thinking about money and moving forward.
2: There's some players that you watch on the greens and you feel nervous for them when you see them standing over a five to 10 foot pat, i.e. Adam Scott at the Wyndham Championship. Cam Smith, to me there's never any doubt watching him, no matter where he is you just expect him to make it and after that 5th place finish at the WGC, he could have been in that playoff if it wasn't for that wayward t-ball on 18 but you, you have to forgive him for that, he ended up finishing 5th as I said but his stats are just incredible. To be number 1 on the tour in putting average is <laughs> undeniable.
1: Yeah, the shot he hit on 18, he drove it in the right side, had to play a, a very small window, hit the tree and went out of bounds. Uh, cost him a ton of money. But he, he, Diane, when he putts, he also takes his time when he putts. I mean, a lot of guys that get confident in their putting, they go a little faster, they get confident and cocky. Cam Smith doesn't do that. He's very meticulous in his putting, has a really nice routine sets up to the ball so well, but he then he takes about three, he's not a slow putter, but he takes about three or four extra seconds to just settle himself. And then he just makes the most gorgeous stroke ever. And when you are a good putter, like Tiger Woods, Cam Smith, you have to do two things really good. You have to read the putt first, that's number one. A lot of guys can't read it because if you read it well, that's the whole key because then you can aim it on that read line, then you have to get the speed right on that break line. He does those perfectly. I mean, the only guy that I've seen that, uh, there's only one guy that that does it uh, with more pizzazz than him, and that's Tiger.
2: Yeah, okay. So our full top 10 for the Northern Trust this week. Colin Morikawa at number one, John Ram, Daniel Berger, Abraham Anser, Hideki Matsuyama, Sam Burns, Xander Shoffley, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson... Dustin Johnson and Cameron Smith. Right Elk thank you very much Um, it's always I mean it's such a funny time of year for it to be playoff time we know that we have three rounds of this and then the 2022 season gets straight underway but what are you most excited about seeing this week?
1: Well, we've got a, you know, we've got some secret golfers that have, that have made it into this event. I'll be watching them closely. Gaziah, Harman, Harmon, Pat Perez is way back. He will have to have a super week. There's probably your brother Russell who uh, made the cut on the nose on oh, no, a 60. Sorry, a 63 on Friday. He's in there. He'll be feeling confident. I'm looking for someone to come up from below, and I think I got a hint, a hunch that you're going to be talking about some of these players in the sizzlers and the dark horses this week. I'd like to see someone jump into the middle of this, Diane, and take on these guns because we've been talking about Morikawa, Matsuyama, Bryson, Spieth. Justin Thomas was not in the conversation this week. We've got some new guys now starting to merge. Harris English is coming up, Abraham Answer. These are some new names that we're starting to watch closely. So it's going to be exciting, Diane.
2: And it really shakes it up because with the quadruple points, the winner is going to be awarded 2,000 FedEx Cup points. And jumping ahead to the Tour Championship, the guys start on staggered scoring with the number one in the standings starting at 10 under par, and then it works down that way. So you've got to use this week and next week, if your number is good. To get as many points as possible and really help with that starting position for the tour championship.
1: Yeah, and this this is the only FedEx Cup playoff event that has a cut. So the scoring on this course: sixteen for Adam Scott, eleven for Reed. So we're talking two or three under a day. It's not going to be super low. That's because, as you've noted, small greens, tighter fairways, fast small greens to putt on. You know undulating you know got to get the ball up and down so it's going to be who's hitting the ball best it's not going to be anyone all over the place so we've stacked our top 10 with the best ball strikers that we know of that are in form so there's no there's no great surprises in the top 10 this week
2: right elk thank you very much and coming up next jay kaplan is going to join us to do our sizzlers and our dark horses Well, we are on to The Sizzlers this week for The Northern Trust. And we say goodbye to Steve Elkington and hello to Jay Kaplan. It's like he's had one good week with his dark horse picks and we're giving you more exposure on the show.
3: One good week. I think I've earned my way up. It's like I earned my way into the playoffs and you're bringing in one of the hottest prognosticators in the land. So great to be here, Diane.
2: We say he earned his spot because Jay had picked Roger Sloan as his dark horse at 100 to 1. Sloanie was out with the 125 entering the week. And after his runner-up finish, losing in a playoff to Kevin Kissner, he's now up to 92nd. Jay, that is a result and a half.
3: If I keep picking him every week, he's bound to do something. So...
2: That's a precursor for what's to come a little bit later on.
3: (laughs) And and that's right.
2: So we've given you our top 10 for the Northern Trust and now we're on to our sizzlers. Now our first guy is someone that Elk's been really big on for a long time and Elk had a little bit of inside knowledge on this guy, and we jumped on him a while ago, actually, and he's been performing great. Jonathan Vegas is our first sizzler. He's sitting at 49 in the FedEx Cup standings right now. And this week, Vegas has him at 150 to one.
3: An incredible value for a player that has been playing tremendous golf since the middle of May. T9 at Nelson, T2 at Palmetto, T11 at Deer. 3M was a T2, a 16th and a 15th last weekend. He's gone from 110 in early May in the FedEx Cup rankings to 49th. Just spectacular golf. And I think if you know this guy and you know uh, where he's coming from, I think we've kind of been waiting for him. I mean, the guy's six foot three. 220 pounds, hits it a mile. It was always about his putting. His putting's improved, therefore his scoring's improved, therefore his results improved. It's no surprise that he's on our sizzle list.
2: His uh, We talk about his driving distance, but total driving has improved so much because it, it was going a little bit wayward. He's dialed it in, he's been working on the accuracy along with that distance, and... I mean, he's 40th in total driving. I always think there's such a good correlation with that number and where the guys are sitting for their season. And with Johnny Vegas, there definitely is. So at 150 to one, he is a fantastic pick for somebody who, with these quadruple points, can make such a charge in these playoffs.
3: You know he wants to hit that top 30. I mean, I think his goal has to be Making it to Atlanta, just like most of these guys. But this guy in particular has to feel really good about his upward trajectory. And 40th in total driving, you already mentioned that, but 35th in green and regulation, 28th, which leads to 28th in par four scoring average. This guy is playing out of his mind. It's his best year in his career. No surprise. The only surprise is those Vegas odds. That is strange.
2: And last week at Sedgefield Country Club we had said that distance wasn't going to be premium and it turned out not to be, especially when you see Kevin Kisner as the winner. But this is one of those courses where it is going to be premium along with accuracy. So hopefully Vegas can thread it all together with his exceptional putting, and it would be brilliant to see him make a jump up into that top 30. Right, our next sizzler is within the top 30 right now, but we talk about the fact that with the quadruple points, there's a lot of volatility in these playoff rounds. I don't think it's going to be an issue for Corey Connors, especially when you look at that total driving number, and he's at 10 right now on the PGA Tour.
3: Yeah, this is the next guy that's going to win a major over the next three years. I think everybody knows that. If you look at how consistent he's been all season long, he's been in the 30s. He's 27 right now on the FedEx uh, list. He's not playing tremendous golf right now. He's actually cooled off a little bit from uh, April and into May and June. Nothing spectacular. He may not even be the best Canadian in this field, Diane. That's just a hint for what's to come. But his numbers do line up. 10th in total driving, 14th green in regulation, 28th par uh, par four scoring average. His putting's dropped off a little bit. He's around uh, the 60 mark. Not great. If he sinks putts, he's going to be there, but... Uh, Elk really, really talked highly about Corey Connors over the last two months. I haven't seen as much as I'd like to see out of this guy. Obviously, he's a guy who could win any weekend. I don't think this will be the weekend. There's something going on with his game. He's at the bottom of the top 30. He's feel, I feel like Johnny Vegas is on the come up. This guy is in danger of getting out of that top 30, so he needs a good week here.
2: Okay, 50 to 1 for Cody Connors. And our third sizzler is someone that I was pushing for this week, um, only because last week there were so many positives at the Wyndham. They ended with a, I say a big negative, like a four foot negative, where he missed a putt on the first playoff hole to win the Wyndham Championship. But nonetheless, Adam Scott is a sizzler this week and Jay let me give you some reasons why please because you're the stat person and you're going to look at his stats and you're going to rip him to shreds that's correct (laughs) yes but I'm going to go with this because in 2013 he won on this golf course, this tournament. When it was held here in 2019, he finished fifth. I think this is the kind of course that experience is gonna count for a lot, especially those greens, They're, they're really tough. And he played in the President's Cup here in 2017. So I think with that course experience, plus he has to take a lot from the overall performance at the Wyndham. As I say, we're gonna forget about that little putt, especially because he made a fantastic climb up the leaderboard on Sunday. Adam Scott is our third sizzler.
3: He did make a fantastic climb. It actually started Saturday. He shot a 64 and finished with a 65. And I don't know, is it surprising he missed a four footer? Not really, putting's always been his Achilles. But this kind of came out of nowhere. Um, He hasn't shown any progression uh, since Travelers. That was in June, T13. We know this guy at any time can show up at the top of a leaderboard. I don't think this is going to be it this week. You're right. His numbers definitely are borderline terrible, 132 total driving, 122 green and red, scrambling if he misses the green, 199 and 132 in par four scoring. The only thing that's saving him is his putting average. And, of course, we saw what happened at the end yesterday. But if anybody can shake that off and show up ready to go on a course that seems to fit his eye, it's definitely uh, Adam Scott. It won't surprise me. I'm just not expecting it. I kind of feel like we've got two sizzlers this week, Corey Connors and Adam Scott. I'm questioning whether they should be there. You're backing them. I guess we'll see here uh, over the course of the week who's correct.
2: Well, heading into the Wyndham, Adam Scott was floating round about that bubble in the standings and he's jumped up to 82 with that second place finish. I love a story. This could be a really great story. And making those jumps up, I just think of, like, Billy Horschel in 2014 when he won the BMW Championship and then went on to win the Tour Championship. So it could be one of those stories, and I do want to see a story of somebody who climbs from being roundabout about the bubble all the way up and makes it to Eastlake. There's no denying that Adam Scott has the calibre to potentially do that.
3: Yeah, he definitely has. Um experience on his side but it's not going to happen his numbers don't warrant it you can look for a story all you want but I'm going to crunch the numbers and I'm going to stay true his line across here is red and orange and in our world those are terrible colors he had his chance yesterday he didn't cash in I don't expect him to be playing next week
2: 40 to one for Adam Scott so our three sizzlers are Adam, Corey Connors at 40 to one and Johnny Vegas at 150 to one definitely Jay's favourite right one more part of the show to come and we're going to be looking at dark horse picks they are fun this week because we're crunching the numbers and we're looking for those guys that are really going to take advantage in the FedEx Cup playoffs Now, sir, I'm going to give you starting honours this week because your pick of Roger Sloan for the Wyndham made it all the way to a playoff. I thought he was going to do it. And we had him at 100-1 last week.
3: First of all, you're not giving me the honours, Diane. I clearly earned the honours. So I'm going to take it and I'm going to gloat because I've been on Roger Sloan for weeks and it finally paid off for me. Whether he won or not to me was somewhat irrelevant. Although how much, how great would it be if I could match your one win that you've had in this dark horse category from Las Vegas last year? uh, Was it last year?
2: Yeah. Last year.
3: I still haven't gotten over
2: it. At 250
3: to one. You're 250 to one. But this guy, um, I don't even know if he should be qualified as a dark horse anymore. He is playing out of his mind. He has gone from 154 at his lowest on the FedEx Cup rankings to currently 92. So that push over the weekend got him up well past the 125. Now he's going to eye the 70 mark. If he plays anything like he did last weekend, he's going to make that easily 64, 64, 66. The last three rounds at Wyndham, coming off a, T, a, a solo six at Barracuda, T16 at 3M. This guy is playing great golf. And as I said earlier, I alluded to uh, another Canadian when we were talking about Corey Connors. This is the best Canadian in the field. And I wasn't going to take him as a dark horse, but the odds are offensive. Vegas, what are you doing? You're sleeping on Roger Sloan. He's coming in at 150 to one. I don't understand it. (laughs) If you're really paying attention, I'm offended. I bet he's offended. You've offended his family. You've offended his country. Now you've motivated him even more. My first dark horse pick, who shouldn't be a dark horse, is the one and only Canadian superstar, Roger Sloan.
2: Why aren't you shouting at me?
3: Because I'm so upset by this.
2: Okay, I agree with you. I can't believe that he's 150 to 1 after not just his performance at the Wyndham, but over the past couple of weeks. So, Roger Sloan, well done, Jay. He's like the the new age Hank Levioda. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he is, a, sure.
2: My Dark Horse pick is 125 to 1. Equally surprised at this. Well, surprised and not surprised, but we really talked about this guy as a sizzler. And when we saw his odds, I was like, I'm taking him as a dark horse pick before this conversation goes any further. He's had four top tens this season. Of late, there's been nothing great. The Open Championship, he finished in a tie for 12th. So that's pretty good. But I'm taking a leaf out of your book and I'm looking at numbers for him. And he is first in par four scoring average, which is going to be vital this week. And greens and regulation on the PGA Tour, he is fourth. So those small greens, that's going to be key. He is an elite iron player for sure. And Emiliano Grillo, I'm just surprised that he hasn't had a win this year it is just putting those four rounds together as cliched as that sounds but he's played this course before in 2017 when he was on the president's cup team representing Argentina so Emiliano Grillo has some knowledge of the course and I think at 125 to 1 he's a good dark horse pick this week
3: I like this pick. I like him. I've liked him all year. I've gone to him a few times. Par four scoring average first.
2: Yeah.
3: Fourth and green in regulation, 19 in driving. What is there not to like? Great the pick. Door Great pick.
2: Yeah, thanks. Um, I just want to go back very quickly. My dark horse pick last week of Rory Sabatini, I thought he was going to do it.
3: Yeah, you know what? I didn't mean to overlook your pick. I mean, clearly I overshadowed it with my brilliance. But you not only picked him in the Olympics and he finished with a silver, but then you back it up and you pick him as a dark horse and he finishes third or fourth. And he was there all weekend. He's playing well. He's still unlikable. Nobody likes to do. But I will say this.
2: So I the guy
3: guys. is playing out of his mind. Well done.
2: Thank you. Elk said that I was the only, we have a texting group. Elk was like, you're the only person in the world who's rooting for Rory Sabatini this week. <laughs> All but right. we,
3: di- we digress. Um, Diane, I've got another one that I'm looking at. I'm like, is this a typo? It's also, he's another guy, 150 to one. He enters this week ranked 46th on the FedEx Cup ranking list. He has been very consistent. He Ever since he uh, turned the corner in the summertime, after the Masters, he went to RBC, finished fourth, and then something happened, miscut, miscut, miscut. Then he has figured something out. This guy has finished T18 at Barracuda, so he's had a little bit of time off to relax. That followed that T-16 at 3M and John Deere at T-18. So he's been top 20 his last three events. He's playing well. He's got a a second-place solo this year from Pebble Beach. Uh, He played pretty well out west. He's got that flashy name that really gets me going. I look at his name on the list, and I'm like, how do I not want this guy as a part of my Dark Horse team? Of course I want him. His numbers are good. 45th in par four scoring average, putting average 39, scrambling 37. So if he does go wayward this week off the tee, he usually can figure it out. My second dark horse pick is Maverick McNeely.
2: Sorry, I've just taken a photo of my dog because he looks so incredibly cute right now. Oh.
3: Okay, don't don't sweat me. I mean, I'm only doing a show here.
2: I listened to every word you were saying though. Maverick, I, I again, am shocked at the odds of 150 to 1, but it's only because it's playoff time. We have such an elite field, and as Elk was saying, there's 20 guys that most people are really looking at when it comes to this time of the year. So Maverick McNeely could be a jumper because looking at his, uh, there's there's solid form in the run-up to playoffs, and I guess this is the time of year that you want to peak
3: yeah and he's he's been very consistent very consistent Maverick McNeely comes in 54 on the FedEx Cup ranking so he's in that zone that he knows he's got to play well so I feel like he's going to be motivated he's been playing consistent golf he's finishing top 20 he's going to keep his spot in the top 70 this week I think we're going to see good things.
2: I like it. So our three Dark Horse picks are Roger Sloan at 150 to 1, Emiliano Grillo at 125 to 1, and Maverick McNeely at 150 to 1 as well. Right, Jay, thank you very much. And also, don't forget... The SG Tour golf gaming app is up and running for the playoffs. Now you can get involved, you can play in one of our $10 games. You can, there's loads of public games for $10, $25. You can create a private game and go up against your friends, but you pick four guys in your four ball team, one from each tier. And then over the course of the tournament, we'll follow along and see who wins the cash at the end. So download the app if you haven't done so already. It's in the App Store on all iOS devices, the SG Tour. And well, thank you from us. We'll be back next week for round two of the playoffs in the BMW.